Peace of Christ be with you. Give yourselves about three deep breaths to be settled into the presence of the Spirit and allow yourself to be felt held by this house of prayer. Friends, let us worship the living God. Please rise in body or spirit for the call to worship. We give thanks for the blessing of a new day. We gather in prayer for ourselves and for our neighbors. We seek in this moment the opportunity to grow in knowledge, faith, and love. We trust in the work of the living spirit.
be seated. I want to welcome you here to worship at Westminster. If you're visiting with us, a special welcome to you. I do encourage you during our offering time, those sitting here in the middle, to take the pew pad, sign it, pass it down to the end of the pew, pass it back. Take a look at the names of the people sitting near you. And after worship, I encourage you to greet each other by name. Let's join together now in the community prayer. Let us pray. Oh God, you show us the way of servanthood. You have given generously to us. Let us in turn seek to be generous with others, looking to serve and not merely attain glory for ourselves. Help us to follow your path and keep us humble that we might reflect your light in the world wherever we go. In the name of the one who came to serve, Jesus Christ, pray. Amen. Our prayers continue in quiet. Amen. Friends, hear the good news that in Christ we are forgiven and we are called once again to serve one another, co-creating with God a world of justice and of peace for all. Thanks be to God. Amen. So this is the third Sunday of the month, and so it is our birthday blessing Sunday. If you have a birthday in October, or maybe you missed a blessing in a previous month, I invite you to come forward. Come on, I know some of you have birthdays this month. Don't be bashful. There we go. Right. Well, happy birthday to all of you. October birthdays are special for me because my mom's birthday and my mother-in-law's birthday are both in October. So October is a month I often think about parents um, and especially the image of God as parent, which is a meaningful image for me. Um, and so I wanted to share with you a prayer of thanksgiving, really, um, to God using a variety of different parent images. So I invite us to be in prayer together. God, we give you thanks for reaching out to us, strong and coursing with love, binding up wounds and soothing scrapes, holding us together, holding us safe. God, we give you thanks for feeding us, nourishing us, giving us what we need to grow and thrive, taking care of us in big and small ways, seeing us, knitting us back together with love and grace when we've been broken. God, we give you thanks for believing in us, looking into our eyes and saying, I believe in you. I know you. I know you were made for great things. You're not too small or too scared. You're not too frail or too flawed. You're mine. And that's all you need to know. Amen. 
So my hope and prayer for you this month of your birthday is that you will hear God saying that to you. You're mine. And that's all you need to know. Happy birthday to each of you. You may be seated, unless you would like to stay here with me for the time of discovery. And I invite any of the children worshiping with us today to come join me here at the front. So I have a couple pictures here, and I'm hoping you can tell me what they are, okay? So first, here's a picture of an animal. Have you even seen it yet? And I'm wondering if you can tell me which animal this is. Oh, I'm hearing two animals. I'm hearing duck. And I'm also hearing bunny. Yeah, interesting. Duck, bunny, bunny, duck. I don't know if you can see it, but... Hmm, curious. I, total, I heard most of you say duck. I can totally see that, right? There's the eye, there's the beak. But bunny, what if these were ears? And this here was like the little nose and mouth. Hmm, curious. Oh, I'm sorry. Duck, bunny, bunny, duck. I don't know. Okay, well, interesting. I don't know if I have an answer. Could be either, maybe. All right, what's this a picture of? I heard two faces. I definitely see kind of maybe a face here, like there's a nose and a mouth. There's a nose and a mouth. Oh, an hourglass? Hmm. I heard someone say a chalice, maybe a cup. Oh, my gosh, it could be so many things. But interesting. I definitely see faces and the white, but then I see like a vase or an hourglass and the black. Oh, my gosh. It could be a couple different things. Huh, interesting. So I was thinking about these pictures as I was thinking about Moses, because you all are going to hear more about Moses today. Those of you who have been here for a few weeks, we've been hearing about Moses a lot because he's a pretty neat guy. Um, but God called him to be a leader, to lead the people out of Egypt and lead the people to the promised land. And Moses was like, are you kidding me? I'm not a leader. Leaders are supposed to be strong and powerful. Leaders are supposed to be really good at talking to people and telling them what to do. And Moses said, I'm not good at any of that. I just want to kind of sit here and watch my sheep, and I really don't like talking to people. I am not a leader for you, God. But God had different ideas. You know, God called this unlikely person who didn't have any of the usual qualities we think of as a leader and said, nope, Moses, you're going to be the one. 
You're going to be the one to lead the people out of Egypt. And I'm going to be with you. And I'm going to bring people along to help you like Moses' brother and sister helped him. But it's interesting to me that Moses thought that you should be this one way to be a leader, have these certain qualities like be powerful and strong. And God said, eh, maybe not. Maybe, Moses, maybe there's some other ways to be a leader. You know, maybe this is a duck. Maybe it's a rabbit. Maybe it's both. Maybe there are lots of different ways to look at things in this life. Maybe there are lots of different ways to be a good leader. And I will be with you, said God, as you lead. So I'm going to invite you to head out to your Sunday school class and hear more about Moses. If you're in second grade or younger, I see Mimi standing there ooh, with a special sign even. Awesome. And she's going to lead you to the preschool building. If you're in third through fifth grade, I saw Virginia. She was sitting over here. She's going to lead you. She'll meet you back there. She's going to lead you to the library for your class. All right. Go now in peace. Go now in peace. May the love of God surround you everywhere, everywhere you may go. So now we come to the time of joys and concerns where we share with each other those things that are on our hearts and minds today. So if you have a joy or concern to share, I invite you to just raise your hand. Yeah, Jim. So the 102-year-old mother of your brother-in-law recently had a stroke, is in hospice care. So prayers for her and your family. Others? Yeah. So one, a colleague um, with a seven-year-old daughter, husband who recently died unexpectedly, and then another friend who's just been diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer. Yeah, prayers for both of those. Others? Yeah, Scotty. Absolutely. I didn't, Saudi Arabia, I didn't hear what you said before. Oh, the journal, oh, Yes. Absolutely. Thank you. First for journalists in Saudi Arabia. Absolutely. Thank you, Scotty. Any others? All right. Well, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, Tila. Friends whose 14 year old son recently died of rare form of cancer. Safe return of a dog named Coco belongs to an elderly couple. Yeah, Barb. Yeah, families fleeing violence in Honduras and other Central American countries. Well, we also have a joy we want to celebrate today, so I'm going to invite Judy Sachs to come forward.
so we can celebrate. Unless you read the worship preview notes, you won't know that the theme of today is servant leadership, and it's a perfect coincidence, or perhaps the Holy Spirit lined it up this way, that we would be recognizing Judy on a day such as this. Judy, among other things in the life of this church, was the chair of the Capital Campaign Committee, and right now we're transitioning from the active fundraising portion of that campaign into the renovation portion of that campaign, and so Judy's role is uh, stepping back uh, to an extent right now. I'm sure she's grateful for a few less meetings in her life. But in our time of raising money, uh, we raised over two and a half million dollars when we were told, at best, you can raise maybe $2.2 million. That's a remarkable accomplishment, and all of you should feel good about that. And I will assure you that one of the major reasons we got there was because of the leadership of this woman, Judy Sachs. (laughs) Judy exemplifies this notion of being a servant leader. She is a master at relating to people, at motivating people, at organizing people, and getting the job done. We still have a gap left between what we've raised and what we need to build, but with leadership like this and others, such as Ron Meserve, who's running this next portion of the campaign, we should all feel very good. Uh, And so to say thank you, not only do we want to bring you up here and be acknowledged in front of the congregation, but we have a little gift for you that Bethany's going to bring out. If a servant leader, it's a bag, it's a bag. <laughs> with a tree on it. Um, in, in addition, if servant leader is one image for Judy, then I think maybe another might be angel. Judy collects angels, and so the team that worked most closely with her came together and purchased her an angel so that she might see it in her home and be reminded of our gratitude to you and that you might be reminded that the angels follow you always and care for you and yours. So on behalf of not only that committee, but of this entire congregation, please accept our love and thanks for your service. Thank you. I only wanted to say that this is Um, not just me. There should be dozens of other people up here. The wonderful team that worked on this campaign was amazing in all they did in such a short time. And thanks to Ron for taking on the next step, which I think is even bigger. And God bless you all. Thank you. Thank you. Let us be in prayer together. Let us pray. Gracious God, you do hear our prayers. And for that, we give you thanks. And hear us now as together we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation.
Good morning. The first scripture reading today is the book of Job, chapter 38, verses 1 through 7 and 34 through 41. Let us listen to what the Lord is saying to her people this morning. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up your loins like a man, and I will question you, and you shall declare to me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding, who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the heavenly beings shouted for joy? Can you lift up your voice to the clouds so that a flood of waters may cover you? Can you send forth lightning so that they may go and say to you, here we are? Who has put wisdom in the inward parts or given understanding of the mind? Who has the wisdom to number the clouds, or who can tilt the water skins of the heavens when the dust runs into a mass and the clods cling together? Can you hunt the prey for the lion or satisfy the appetite of the young lions when they crouch in their dens or lie in wait in the covert? Who provides for the raven its prey when its young ones cry to God, they wander about and wander about for lack of food. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. The second reading comes from Mark's Gospel, the 10th chapter, verses 35 to 45. Continue to listen for what the Spirit is saying to us this morning. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And Jesus said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, we are able. Then Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant. It is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten, the other disciples, heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers, lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. Whoever wishes to become great must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave 
of all. For the Son of Humanity came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This too is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. I will defend academia at almost every turn. I think there are a few things that aren't enlarged through careful and detailed study. So if a topic goes off the rails once in a while, it's worth it because of what can be gleaned for humankind. So I remain steadfast while some roll their eyes when you find out courses taught in pop culture or something else. I say, no, there's something to be learned there, perhaps about race or class or economics or other dynamics at work in society and culture. The seminary in San Anselmo did a whole course last year on Beyonce, but I think uncovered some important things in it. Whether you do or not, I don't know. And yet, Having said that, I think even I hit my limit recently. I was uh, researching the most ridiculous course titles you can find in college catalogs these days. I say titles because I'm assuming that the courses are more substantive than their quippy titles might suggest. Maybe they're just trying to get enrollment. But without further ado, there is the sociology of Miley Cyrus from Skidmore College in Saratoga Springs, New York, Skidmore College. I think I might like to skid less. <laughs> Closer to home, there is the amazing world of bubbles at Caltech. I'm presuming this is something about physics and soap. There's uh, how to watch television at Montclair State. My how fall we've, uh, far we've fallen. When I was in college, they didn't have to teach us that. We just did it all day. Even our Ivy League schools are not immune from this. Princeton has taken the notion of teaching the essentials to a whole new level with their course entitled, Getting Dressed. <laughs> Apparently, it's been successful. I mean, when's the last time you saw a naked Princeton student? <laughs> Don't answer that in, ch in church, sorry. But to my knowledge, there's been no sightings of Princeton students with their pants on backwards. Hats, yes, maybe, but I once had a professor who said when he studied at Berkeley, he took a class that was in nothing. I apologize, that's redundant. I could have just said he took a class at Berkeley. Uh, oh, I know. Sorry. I'm sorry. It's just I went to Berkeley's heated rival, Iowa, equal in the... Equal in every way except for academics. <laughs> but what he meant was there was no official topic. He said when he showed up to the first day of the lecture hall, there was no, there was no syllabus. There was no lesson plan. They just sat there until presumably something naturally rose organically from the group. Berkeley State School, is that taxpayer money? But to cap them all off, actually, this is what started that whole search and rabbit hole off for me uh, a few weeks ago, was coming 
across something offered at Gonzaga University, and it is more ridiculous than anything I just named. And to top it off, it's not only a course, but it's an entire degree program being offered at Gonzaga. Are you ready? At Gonzaga University, you can earn a master's degree in servant leadership. At Gonzaga, they teach leadership through these primary skills, listening, empathy, healing, awareness, persuasion, conceptualization, foresight, stewardship, commitment to the growth of people, and building community. Now, I'll be if that doesn't sound an awful lot like Jesus Christ. Gonzaga, who may have stayed true to their mission as a Christian school after all. So listen to that list again and keep in mind Jesus and what he taught and how he lived and see how that aligns. Listening, empathy, healing, awareness, persuasion, conceptualization, foresight, stewardship, commitment to the growth of people, and building community. That particular list comes from the work of a man named Robert Greenleaf. You may be familiar with him. Worked in the corporate world and began to study organizations in the last century. And he was dismayed at the dominant model of leadership he witnessed in society, which was authoritarian. And not only dismayed by it, but he was skeptical of its actual effectiveness and benefit to society. So he started studying these things. He founded what was at first called the Center for Applied Ethics. And that's where he honed his understanding of what he called servant leadership. Of course, we see it at work long before that in the teachings in life of Jesus Christ. In today's gospel story, Two of the insiders, James and John, the, one, the ones who had access to the great teacher more than, than others, come to him and say, we want to ask you something. Now, I had the privilege of sitting with the confirmation students last week, and one of the things I asked them was, what one question would you ask Jesus? And I'll tell you, your confirmation students did better than James and John. <laughs> it was, what do James and John want from Jesus? They say, teacher... Allow one of us to sit at your right hand and the other at your left hand in your glory. We're over halfway through the gospel story. These are two who travel with Jesus, who are with him all the time, and they still think it's about glory. Which I guess should give the rest of us who struggle a little bit of hope and companionship. It's hard to get it right. I don't know if I were Jesus, if I would have had the ability to answer, I would have been so flabbergasted or frustrated or angry or despondent. Jesus does answer, though. He says, you don't know what you're asking. You don't even know what you're asking. It reminds me a little bit of that passage you heard from Job earlier where God says, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? There is so much you don't know. And yet you're looking for glory. 
Now, in a way, it's easy to understand how James and John would have gotten to that place. They were raised in a milieu with a different way of thinking and different standards, you might say. As Jesus says to them, actually says to the ten who are embarrassed about the two, Jesus says, you know, the way the world works, rulers lord it over people. To be a leader is to lord it over others. To be great in their eyes is to be a tyrant. That's how you've been brought up. So to be a leader in that kingdom is one thing, but to be a leader in the kingdom of God is something very different. In fact, it couldn't be more different. He says to be great, you have to be a servant. You want to be great? Become a slave. Don't become a tyrant. And this is why the imagery that Jesus uses for following him is always dramatic. It's not a subtle shift in your life, polishing around the edges. It's, it's completely new. That's why he says things like, you have to be born again. You have to start all over. You have to die. You have to be crucified with me so that you can be raised to new life. It's totally different. And one can understand how you would get it wrong if you spent your whole life studying the wrong curriculum, as so many of us have. Thankfully, by the grace of God, down from heaven falls a divine lesson plan from time to time. Or you come across these people who've somehow received that and taken it to heart. We used to call them prophets. We could just call them visiting professors, maybe. And they show us a little bit about what it looks like to be a leader in the kingdom of God versus the kingdom around us. Last week, if you were here, you might remember I told a story about a man who lost his father to a car accident when he's crossing the street. And so he decided to dedicate his life to pedestrian safety by becoming a crossing guard. I wonder who you think of when I say the term servant leadership. Who comes to mind for you? If you know me at all, you'll know that I spent a lot of years working at a summer camp, a Christian summer camp. And when you drive onto their property, they have this sign that says, Caution, future local and world leaders at work and play. <laughs> it's beautiful. And it was true a lot of the time. One of the greatest things about that job was meeting and getting to know young people who you could already tell were going to go on to do greater things than I could ever imagine doing. And to encounter them at that early leg of the journey was such a privilege and joy. I could name countless kids that awed me over the years, but one comes to mind for today. His name is Trip Zanetis. This is his real name. It's many years ago, so obviously I lost touch. But there was a news story about him this year, so I was reminded of his life. When Tripp grew up, he went to college at NYU, where he majored in politics. He was a student there on September 11, 2001, when the attacks on the towers came. He volunteered with the fire department for 14 hours on that day. He graduated a couple of years later with honors and joined the fire department where he worked his way up until before long he was fire marshal for New York City. In 2008, 
Tripp joined the Air National Guard so he could be a, a helicopter pilot for search and rescue. When I wrote this, I accidentally typed helicopter pilot, but it sort of works. While still on active duty in 2014, Tripp came out to Stanford and enrolled in law school. In addition to his studies there, Tripp worked in international refugee assistance. He was the co-president of a veterans organization, and he was the facilitator for the inaugural Stanford Law Conference on Advocacy for LGBTQ Persons winning a, a national LGBT Bar Association Award for student leadership. Talk about a future leader. Talk about a servant leader. I mean, the only thing missing from this guy's resume, from Jesus' teachings about being a servant leader, is that whole part about giving your life as a, for many. And that addition to his resume came in March, when his helicopter his helicopter was shot down near the Iraq-Syria border. 37 years old, gone. Jesus' curriculum is no joke. It calls you to do amazing things, incredible things, things that serve the welfare of others. In one way or another, it leads you through the cross. Now, to be fair to Tripp and not take advantage of his story, I should tell you he left his Christian faith behind a long time ago. I don't know why. Perhaps it was the way in which the Christian church in so many pockets discriminated against gays and lesbians. Perhaps it is because he discerned one of the ways in which hypocrisy shows up in the life of institutional religion. Perhaps he just didn't buy it and didn't believe it. But if you ask me, a life like that, that he lived, is precisely the kind of life that Jesus Christ was trying to teach his disciples and to teach his disciples to be able to teach. Disciples, of course, which is the Greek word for students. So with that in mind, I wonder what a course catalog would look like in the kingdom of God. Rather than the sociology of Miley Cyrus, perhaps the sociology of King Cyrus, Nebuchadnezzar, Pharaoh, Herod, or Caesar, what empire does and most certainly does not have to do with God's will. Rather than the amazing world of bubbles, Perhaps the amazing world of troubles, how faith is really about learning to live with integrity and hope in the midst of tragedy and human evil. Rather than how to watch television, how about how to get off the couch and get involved in a world where we can make a difference without having to be a star. Rather than how to get dressed, how about how to address the needs of the most vulnerable, the poor, the overlooked, and doing it by trusting their instincts and listening to their voices about what they need and sharing the power with them. And finally, rather than a course about nothing, 
how about a course about what love actually looks like lived out in the gritty aspects of everyday life, which you could title, I suppose, not nothing, but everything. Because as Dorothy Day reminds us, love and ever more love is the solution to every problem that comes up. Now those would be some master classes taught by the master. Amen.
Amen. You may be seated. I want to highlight just a few things coming up here in the life of the church and encourage you to take a look at the announcements printed here in the bulletin. First, we have two things happening after worship today. The first is a new member orientation. If you're new to Westminster, or even if you're not so new and interested in learning more about becoming a member, that meeting with Rob will be in the library. And then second, we are going to have an immigration roundtable discussion. This is following up from August uh, when we had a member of the Marin Interfaith Council here to discuss with us some various immigration issues. This is a follow-up to that. You can attend whether or not you were here in August, but a chance for us to share our thoughts, our ideas, our opinions around immigration and specifically accompaniment and how we might uh, be an accompaniment congregation. That'll be in Finley Hall. Um, and then our small group dinner signups continue. The signups will be out in the narthex as you leave. You're invited to choose a date or multiple dates that work for you and just gather together a chance to get to know members of our congregation just a little better. Um, and finally, if you have a child in your midst, uh, rehearsals for our Christmas pageant are beginning next week. It's been a couple years since we've done this. We decided it was time to bring it back. If you're, especially if your child likes to sing, we've got some songs to learn. And it's going to be a ton of fun. Um, so see me if you have questions and also let me know if your child is interested in participating. So with that, I invite you to stand as you are comfortable for our closing hymn. It's number 753. Before we go, I'm looking if 
available for two elders, active elders, to meet me for about 10 minutes, five minutes after the church service today. So just uh, hang out with me in the narthex. We have just a little bit of business to conduct. And with that, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God who is Father and Mother of us all, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit, may, be, may it be with you this day, and may it be with you every day. Amen.